Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. Um, really, I felt based upon last week, I was supposed to, um, I just felt God uh, tell me to talk about listening to his voice this week. Uh, we're in a couple standalone messages before we go to Jesus in the middle, but I just felt in my heart that uh, God wanted me to tell his church about his voice. And I think that that's sometimes a misnomer in a church that we're like, well, what's God's voice sound like? Because we have so many competing voices in our life. We have so many competing voices. Social media, competing voice. Telling you, oh, so-and-so's on vacation. You need to go on vacation too. I'm not saying vacation's not good. But I mean, we also have bills. That's a distraction. We have financial challenge. We have kids. Hello. That is a distraction from really hearing the voice of God because there are times in, in our marriage and in our life where we're trying to be pastors and we want to be with Jesus. We want to spend some time with God, but our kids are crazy and they're loud and they're obnoxious and we're trying to be like, oh, hallelujah. So what I'm, my goal today is to give you a practical way where you can hear the voice of God. Amen? Amen. So uh, we're going to read a lot of Bible verses. So I'm going to teach you how to do this. I have some stuff up here too, which is very good. Um, but I, I, we're going to read a lot of verses found in Judges. It'll be on your screens. And, and if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Listen Up. Listen Up. So if you're taking notes, we know note takers are? Bingo. Note takers are history makers. So you guys are catching on. But we're going to read in Judges chapter 6 verses 7 through 22. So like I said, there's going to be a lot of scripture that I'm going to read, but it's, I think it's imperative to set up uh, the foundation for where we're going today. So uh, Judges 6, this is Gideon, and um, I'm going to stop a little bit here and, and teach a little bit as well. Uh, but it says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, so God has taken the Israelites out of slavery, okay? Out of being encompassed in their own uh, issues. He's already removed them from their challenge and their peril, okay? And then it says in verse 9, I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, underline, I rescued you from the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressor. Underline this, I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Some of you have been rescued, right? You're going to have to talk back to me today because I'm fired up and I'm excited to preach this word. This is like shut up in my bones, so excited that I'm going to preach this and we're going to get to some things, but I have rescued. So you have been rescued. You have been rescued at a high cost and that's what we celebrate during this Easter season. And then you have been delivered. So you're not just rescued. We're like the Israelites. We've been rescued and we've also been delivered because there have been things in our life that prior to Jesus probably weren't too good, <laughs> honestly. Let's just be real. And so we have been rescued. We have been delivered. And then the things that have come into our life have actually been driven out of our life. Some of those relationships that probably weren't too healthy were driven out. Right? 
Okay, let's continue. Um, I said to you, verse 10, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in the land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree of Ophrah uh, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite. Just try to say those people, come on. Where, the, uh, where the, his son Gideon was uh, threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He was hiding. He was hiding. I'm so thankful that God can find us even when we're hiding, even in the midst. And he's doing the wrong thing. In a wine press, he's threshing wheat. That's not what it's intended for. That's not what it's meant to do. So it says, uh, it says right here in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord of God is with you, mighty warrior. And then I love what Gideon says, and you all and I we sound like this so many times with God. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if, the, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Why are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, do not, or, or did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian? So many times we forget the original thing. We forget the original concept that when we were far off, Jesus found us. And then we get in this whole thing called faith. And we go and we say, oh, God, where are you in my circumstance? Remember where God was when you first loved him? You were in hell on earth. But then all of a sudden, Jesus saved us. And I think it's so sad that us as followers of Jesus question the very, very existence of God when the very existence of God was the thing that got us out of where we were to begin with. I told you, I'm fired up today. It's going to be a good day. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good day. Okay, what verse are we on? Sorry. Um, 14, 13, 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Doubt number one. The angel is talking to him. I haven't seen an angel ever. And here he is having an angel saying, you have the strength to do what you're supposed to do. And he's going, oh, well, excuse me, I'm not really sure because I'm the least of these. And, and some of us do that with our God. God says, hey, you know what? Be a, be a beacon of hope in that workplace of yours. And you're like, I don't think I can. I'm not well educated. Honestly. Be a beacon of hope in your family. Well, I'm not really sure I can because what will they think of me? Well, they're your blood. You might as well live out your faith. Let's continue. The Lord answered, I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, oh, geez, Gideon, stressing me out. If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Isn't that funny? Give me a sign now, God, as if the angel wasn't enough. <laughs> Please do not go away until I come back and bring an offering uh, set before you. And the Lord said, isn't this great about our God? The Lord said, I will wait until you return. Our God is a gentleman. He sits there and waits. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat from the, I don't want to say that word, Ephaph. You talk to Pastor Bob. He's got way more education when it comes to words like that. A flour. He made bread without yeast, putting the meat in the basket and its broth in a pot. 
and he brought them out and offered them under the oak. The angel, everyone say the angel. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place it on the rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat with the, and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, the sovereign Lord, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. Think about that for a moment. God is always trying to communicate with us. However, we're not always listening to him. We're not always listening to him. And so today, the title of my message again is Listen Up. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Be with us today. God, where your spirit has already been in this house, I pray that it just continues even greater and a spirit of you breaks out and just a, a, a mighty powerful move of you breaks out today in your name. Amen. All right. How many have a voice in your head? Oh, thank God. I thought you all were going to pretend the preacher's crazy. Uh, you know, like you were going to go, oh, well, yeah, I don't have a... We all have competing voices in our head. We have a variety of different voices. Some of you have voices that are, I can't. Some of you have voices that I'm not or I'll never or lies of insecurity that maybe someone, maybe the voice in your head is someone that is older than you. Maybe it was your parents said something about you. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I read a I, read a, I was reading out loud in class, and I literally had, uh, I, I read out loud and I struggled to read, because if you didn't know, I'm dyslexic, so I, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't find out until I was a sophomore in college that I was dyslexic, but here I'm reading in class, and I'm struggling to read, and things aren't working out for me, and it's just not good, and my teacher laughed at me. And what it did was that, net, from that moment on, that was one of my greatest insecurities that I would never read publicly. Because of the fact that someone had the ability to laugh at me. And I think that lies and insecurities happen on a regular basis because there's voices that have, that have resounded in our, in our head. And there are voices that I believe that, that trump sometimes the voice of God in our life. They overwhelm the voice of God in our life because we hear things like, you'll never, you can't, you're not good enough, you're not qualified, you're not tall enough, you're not fast enough, you're not, uh, you're not skilled enough, you're not educated enough. Some have voices like this, and I'm just going to be perfectly honest, I know it all. You know, and some of us have that voice and we don't even know it's in our head and, and we act on it. Some of us have voices like, my view's always right. And you've wondered why your relationship has struggled, because you're always right. There's called submission. Uh, some, of, some people have been overconfident. I'm not saying overconfidence is not a good thing or being confident is not a good thing, but I think when you're overconfident, what it does is it eliminates certain situations and it, and it can really put people off. Uh, some of you have a, a concept of, uh, that, that it's all about me. You know, The world owes me something. It's all about me. And I think that even those voices can drown out the voice of God. And I, um, many of you know, I like to work out. Um, I love to work out. Working out is one of my favorite things to do. I do it six days a week. Uh, I have apps on my phone. It's probably the greatest source of conflict in our marriage because of the fact that I'm working out in the morning and she's got to get, she's like, you're still working out? And so I brought this little thing up here. Um, it's what I do single arm snatches with. I'm not going to do it because I'm in tight pants, okay? And, and it would be really embarrassing for Facebook if all of a sudden my pants split. split. So, and it could be really embarrassing for me. But this right here, this is my 
single arm snatch weight that I use every day. And I, I don't do that every day. I use this for a variety of different things. But one thing I will say about this weight right here is that there's a competing voice in my head every time I lift it. I don't even know. Yeah, well, thank you, Lucas. Um, I'm sweating all of a sudden holding this. Uh, but there's this competing voice in my head that when I'm doing a single arm snatch or I'm doing a workout, it's saying, oh, no, you can, you can take it easy on this one. Slow down. Slow down. You can't go any further. Oh, you, you can't push that a little bit further. There's always a competing voice in my head that says, only do nine reps instead of ten. Oh, oh finish a little bit short right? Steven, you do CrossFit. You get it. When you're doing a muscle up and you're that close and you're just trying to get to 10, but the enemy of the, of the world says, hey, just stop at nine. You're going to be okay if you stop at nine. And I'm not saying grace isn't good, but what I'm saying is there are certain times that we got to block out the voice that says you can't, you're not good enough, you're stuck. You have to listen to the voice that says you can go one more, you can take one more step, you can keep going, you can influence your community in a greater way. You just have to live it out. And some of us have listened to that voice and we stopped at nine when God really intends you to get to ten. He intends you to get to 10. He wants you to succeed. And, and that, I believe, is like kind of just a, a microcosm, really, of our life. And I think that those types of voices are the voices that really drowned out the voice of God for us on a constant level. And, and, and if you look at Gideon, he has an angel. Think about that. An angel visit him. And this angel visits him and gives him multiple signs of what God was of how good God is and what God intended him to do. And he still had questions three times. He doubted twice. Oh, I'm not really sure. He had to have fire from heaven come down. And many of us, we don't have that opportunity to have fire from heaven come down. I pray God do it. You know, I mean, like, I want to see that. I always thought it'd be a great, you know, in Bible college, I always had this faith where like, maybe I can go to Lake Washington and go, part and like the, the water's part you know like I was I'm like I just kind of want to have enough faith like that I want to live like that because I think that would be really cool and the news would be there and a lot of people would find Jesus because part you know I mean like like just be perfectly honest I mean like we if I went to out to the Pacific Ocean or even Lake Poway shoot I'll just take that go to Lake Poway and say part you know we got to have a little faith and we got to listen to the right voice in our head and, and I'm reminded of a cute little or not in our head we got to listen to the right voice of who God is and and, and we ask God for multiple signs on the regular. And there's this cute little story, and some of you probably have heard it before, and I've said it from this platform, but I think it bears repeating. And it's this idea and this concept, there was a man that was uh, living, and all of a sudden, there was a major flood, like a flash flood. And this man is, is, is living in his house, he sees this flash flood, he climbs up to the roof. And as he's on the roof, he's standing up there, and he's just, you know, when, when, you know, when, when hell's breaking loose in your world, you, you go and you, you pray some pretty bold prayers. And so here he is, he's praying. He's in there. Oh God, just help me, help me, help me. I know you're going to save me. I believe you're a good God. My faith is in you. And all of a sudden a canoe comes by and the canoe, the guy says, Hey, the waters are rising. You better get out of here ASAP. Do you need some help? You can get in my canoe. We'll row you to safety. And he goes, Oh no, my God, I prayed. My God's going to save me. Then all of a sudden, waters are rising a little higher. Guess what? He's climbing up a little bit higher. He's, he's on the tippy top of his roof, and a, a police boat comes by. Hey, sir, the waters are really going to continue to rise. You need to get in this boat immediately so that you can be saved and you will not drown. 
He goes, nope, I prayed to my God, my God's going to save me. What is that? Siri? That was weird. Keep going, Oh, man. That scared me. I'm like, oh, geez. Whew. So then... Um, <laughs> Then, all of a sudden, the third, the, the, then he climbs to the chimney, okay? He climbs the very chimney of his, of his and he gets, a, he gets this helicopter that thum, 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 comes, and all of a sudden it says, hey, sir, the waters are going to continue to rise. You got to get up here. And he looks up and goes, no, I believe my God's going to save me. Well, what happens? He drowns. <laughs> he drowns and he goes to heaven because he was a follower of Jesus and he's, he goes I want I want a word with God and he's all angry in heaven who'd be angry in heaven but he gets this he gets fired up and he's like I want to talk to God and God goes hey man what's up I just that's in my in my head how I think God talks hey man what's up and and the guy's like well um, I prayed so hard. I had faith. This kind of sounds like our prayers to God, right? I had faith and I prayed and I believed and I knew that you're good and, all, and you, you didn't save me. I'm up here in heaven. It's great, but I had more to do on earth. And, he, and God looks at him and goes, son, I sent you a canoe. I sent you a, a, a motorboat and I sent you a helicopter and you didn't get into one of them. Your life could have been saved if you would have listened to the right voice. And oftentimes what we're trying to do is we're trying to listen to the right voice and we're listening to the complete wrong voice. And I believe that, that God speaks in a variety of different ways. I think he speaks through thoughts, through dreams, through visions, through circumstances, through images, small voices, loud voices, music. Uh, but I have three simple, I like to, I like to be practical. Because it's one thing to be conceptual, but, but, and when you're conceptual, oftentimes, it's hard to sometimes live it out. And I want to be very practical. Can I be practical for a moment? Yes. And for, for the rest of our time, it's going to be very simple, very practical on how to hear the voice of God. Because I think so many people are dying to hear the voice of God, but they don't know how. They haven't been trained right. And I think that even the church has lacked in this, that we've started, we've stopped talking. We've started talking about things and, and we've got things out of alignment. And so number one, this simple, practical way that I believe that, that God talks to us is through this idea of paper. And you're like, what, paper? What are you talking about, paper? Pastor Todd, what, what do you mean paper? Well, this right here is what? The Bible. the Bible. It's God's inspired word. I have a lot of Bibles here. These are actually all from my office. Um, this, is, this is really cool. It was my great-grandfather's Bible, uh, D.N. Buntain. And um, it's a New Testament. Uh, he has little notes in here. It's kind of special to me. So I brought it in. This was a Bible my cousin Rich gave me on his wedding day. This is my Bible from eighth grade graduation. And uh, it's, everything's kind of tore up. I have a Sunday service from uh, way in the past. I have just random things in here. I have quotes by my father in here. Um, you know, these are all great. This is a Maxwell Leadership Bible. This was actually my father's Bible. Um, you want a little nugget from my dad? Uh, if you see someone not smiling, give them yours. You know, like, like that's pretty great. <laughs> you know, that was just on the first page. But the fact of the matter is, is that we want to hear the voice of God. But what we do is we don't spend any time in his word. So many times I hear followers of Jesus go, oh man, I really want to hear from God. I need breakthrough in my life. I need God to move. And I go, How's your devotional life? Oh, I don't have time for that. 
oh, I don't really have time for that. I can't, you know, like, it's really, oh, this is a long book. It's so complicated. It was written 2,000 years ago, or not more than that. It was written years ago. How can I comprehend this? How can I understand this? What? what it's just too difficult. Well, you know what? The Bible speaks to our circumstances. And I will tell you, I'm not saying you need to take an hour and go into your prayer closet and sit there and go, oh, speak to me, oh, Holy Father. No, take five minutes, take 10 minutes and just read this. Don't start in the New Testament, start in the Old Testament. I'm sorry, flip that. Start in the New Testament, don't start in the Old Testament. That could be a little weird. You're reading Levitical law. But, But one thing I will say is you want to know how important it is to read your Bible. Do you know how I got this message today? Judges chapter six, guess what? It was in my devotional. I I have a Bible reading plan that I read three chapters a day, two two in the old and one in the new. And I read Judges chapter six, and I told Pastor Bob this this week, that because I read that, it inspired me to write this message. And I believe it was divine from God's hand. And when you decide to get in the paper of life and the paper of this, he will start to speak to you because of the fact that he will all of a sudden talk more to you even while you're reading this because your perspective will continually shift. And it doesn't matter. This Bible right here is sharper than any double-edged sword. It can pierce through the bone and, and, and the marrow. This is the word unto our feet and the light unto our path. And yet we have followers of Jesus confessing that they're followers of Jesus, but they've never read 2 Corinthians. Honestly, it's so simple. It's so practical. You want to hear from God, you got to get in his word. He wrote it. Every page, thousands of pages or thousands of words, millions of words are a love letter to you and I. And so when my wife writes something down on paper, you better believe I'm reading it. When God wrote us a book, and we claim to hear, not hear his voice, we better check where we're listening. We got to get back in the word. And the Bible has great ways and practical ways to deal with conflict, to deal with issues, to show about love and how you're supposed to love and how you're supposed to submit. I mean, like, think about this for a moment. One of my favorite verses, and it's one that's most underutilized, is this idea of Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is this whole idea that when you have conflict, and, and, and Jesus is actually addressing sin, and I believe sin is a divide. So anytime there's conflict with somebody else, guess what you're supposed to do? Go to the person. That's what Jesus said about the conflict that happens. You go to the person. When my wife and I have conflict, I don't go to Pastor Bob to talk about my wife. I don't go and gossip to somebody else. I don't talk about my problems to other people. I talk to my wife. And I think that in our churches, we lack unity because we haven't, had, we, we, we haven't figured out how to establish, how to deal with conflict. So rather than go, and, and that's why so many people leave and so many people are changing churches, is because we don't know how to address even conflict. It's simply going to somebody and say, hey, you know what? I have an issue here. And you know what? Anytime that issue, I know, you know what? Typically when we have conflict, guess what? I made it up in my head. Right. 
Marriages, think about that. How many times do you have conflict? It was one thing, and you, it was like the toilet paper was not you know, put back on, and then you're like, oh, I do. And then we have conflict, and, it, and if I don't address it right away, it starts to fester. It starts to get ugly. It's like a sore that all of a sudden is, is exposed, and infection happens. That's what happens when people don't deal with conflict, and then people leave churches, and they're angry, and they're upset, and they stomp their feet, and they say, that church didn't fed me, and they go to another church, and they say, that church didn't fed me, because you never dealt with your conflict. We have to deal with conflict. That's the paper of the Bible. That is how God's word is prescribed for us to live out. That's practical. You don't even have to even believe in Jesus to live out the practicality of that word. The Bible then says, goes a step further in the practicality of that. And he says, if that person doesn't listen to you, go get somebody else. And then if they don't listen to them still, you go get the elders of the church and then you have a conversation. That's how you deal with conflict in life, right? It's on the paper of the Bible. And if we want to see God in our situation, we have to go to his word about the situation. And the Bible is filled with it. Can I give you some? These are going to be great. You're probably going to take a picture and post it to Facebook. If you're worried, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're fearful, Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. If you have temptation in your life, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you. If you're discouraged, Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. If you're lonely, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. If you're depressed, Psalm 27, the light of my salvation, of whom shall I fear? If you lack faith, Exodus 14, the Lord will fight your battles for you. If you need courage, Joshua 1, be strong and courageous. Let me tell you something. If you aren't encouraged by that to get in your Bible, I don't know what what you can be encouraged about. Because friends, let me tell you, the paper of this word will read your life and it will help you long term. So we need to start by reading his word. And if you don't understand, ask questions. That's why connect groups are so important. Because the moment that someone has, we've actually, we've had connect groups where it completely interrupted. So-and-so had a question. One of the guys in my group had a question about the Bible and we derailed our topic because we were specifically going to talk about that so we could really understand. We'd get other things. There's, you can't tell me that there's no way to understand or comprehend this Bible. There's, I think only two of them. Nope, nope, three of them are the same. This is actually... This is actually a message version. Lou, Brother Lou gave this to me. And this is a practical modern day translation. It's in practical English. It's simple. It's like a novel. If you can't, you know, there's, there's just in your Bible reading app on your phone, look how many translations there are. Trust me, you got to get in the paper of the Bible. Number two, another way God speaks to us is people. Is people. All throughout scripture, we see this. And I know I'm going back to the scripture, which it's good to support, but we have the major prophets, we have the minor prophets, we have historical books. We have, uh, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote letters, okay? You can't tell me that God wasn't speaking through people, to his people. And, And really, I believe that it's not just about God speaking through people, it's about us being able to listen. Honestly. It's about us being able to listen. And I want to tell you, Um, God could be speaking to you um, through somebody, but you got to, one, you got to trust that it's trusted. You got to pray on it. I'm going to teach you practically. So if you hear something and you think it's from God, guess what? You go pray on it and God will confirm it. That's That's who God is. And and really, can I be honest for a moment? Is that okay? 
You like honesty? You'd hate if I lie up here, right? Um, one of the people that I hear from God the most is my wife. And I'm not saying that to get brownie points. I'm not saying that for later. I'm saying that for now. I'm saying that when I, 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 there have been points in my life when I've been deeply discouraged. I've been sad. I'm ready to throw in the towel. And she has a voice that I know she's highly educated, but in that moment, it, is, it still sounds like her, but it sounds like it's from heaven too. It's the right voice to encourage me to get, let me keep going one more day, one step further, to keep continuing on, to keep pressing on. And I believe that God talks through people. And I mean, even think about this. God talked through a donkey in Numbers 22. You don't think he can't talk through a person? I believe that God uses a variety of different people, but what we have to do is we have to be willing to listen. I believe that God will use a teacher. I believe that God will use a coworker. I believe that God will use your cashier at Vons. I believe that God will use an unbeliever. Hey, I believe that God will use a preacher to tell you. Maybe you've been struggling with unbelief. Maybe you've struggled to hear his voice. Maybe today is the day that you were supposed to be here so that you could hear the voice of God, that this preacher up here is preaching a message about hearing the voice of God. And maybe you're the one going, oh, well, if it finally clicks, I finally get it because somebody else is speaking to my situation. All of us are searching to hear from God. Maybe this is the moment. And, and this is the thing, Matthew 20 or Matthew 10, 20 says, for it will be, or for, this is Jesus sending out the 12 and, and he's telling them, for it will be not you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. There are times up here, and I'll just be honest, there are times up here on this platform that I'm speaking and I preach and there's something that I don't plan to say is said. Like that little moment with my dad's Bible. I didn't even, re I, it just dawned on me up here that that was there. When you really think about that for a moment, how God works. You know, if, if someone needs a smile, give them yours. I mean, like, like that's so practical, so simple. But that's God divinely interrupts us and he speaks through us. And, and really is, is, who's God trying to get, how is God trying to get the message to you? Are you really actually listening? Because I know I can hear things, but listening is a whole different equation. Like if my wife wants to have a chat and, we're, and I hear her, but I don't listen to her, there's a difference there. It goes in the ears and out when I hear her. But when I listen, it's intentional. It's focused. It's God, I'm with you. And that leads me to my last point, proximity, proximity. And Katie touched on this last week, um, of this idea of proximity. Um, will you grab this for me, babe? All right. Okay, go sit down. Okay, oftentimes, I mean, I have a microphone on, but the proximity matters in hearing my voice. My kids can hear my voice. Like I probably could shout and they could probably hear me in their room. But my wife knows my voice, right? Yeah. Okay, just checking to see if you're alive. I know you're really intense on this, uh, what's he gonna do with the tape measure? <laughs> I'm gonna get to it. But this right here, this shows what? Distance. It's distance. I, there's a distance between my wife and I. And if I am trying to hear her voice, can you whisper? OK, 
Okay, I didn't hear a word she said. I wanted her to do it because of the fact that she would hear me with this mic. So because of our proximity, I can't hear what she's saying. And what I have to do in my life is I have to go and get close to her. And sometimes we stand back here and we still say, can't hear her still. And that's not just because I have bad ears, but I have to get close to her. And she just said proximity. I wish she would say something different. Um, <laughs> that's not for church. <laughs> uh, but proximity. So oftentimes our proximity, where we stand within God, what happens is it dictates the voices that are drowning out the voice of God because our proximity is off. We wonder why we're not getting close enough, why we're not hearing God speak. It's because our proximity is not in, clo in, in close proximity with Him. We're not in close distance with Him. And God wants us to be close. Let me show you how, how that sets up right here in 1 in, in, um, Kings. Because... God, we have these competing voices in our head that drown out who God is. There's this chasm that happens, and we think that God's not talking, but God's actually talking. And it's not that he's not talking. It's the proximity to the voice of God that is eliminating what is happening in our own life. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then, the great and powerful, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. I love in the ESV it says a low whisper. I love in the New American Standard, it says a gentle blowing. In the King James, it says a still, small voice. And oftentimes, we tend to ignore the, in, the insignificant of a whisper, when a whisper is actually the most intimate act between two people. That when I'm close to my wife and I'm whispering to her, that there's actual connection that's taken place. I was talking to Taylor earlier, um, and Taylor said that there's been studies done that proximity based upon how comfortable you are with people uh, creates the distance in, in who you are. If you're acquaintances, you typically stand like five to eight feet. If you're friends, you typically stand two to three feet. But if you're like really good friends, you stand inches apart. And the thing is, is that with my two little kids, Carter's not so little anymore. <laughs> He's just a big kid. But um, I, I do something with him and with Kennedy. And I love doing it. And some of you parents probably have done this too. That you're sitting there and I'll be in our living room. It's not big, it's small. But I'm sitting there and I'll say, I did it even this morning to Kennedy. I said, hey, I got to tell you something. And she goes, what, daddy? What? She comes closer. I say, hey, I got to tell you something. She goes, what, daddy? What? And she's literally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to my wife because it would be weird with anybody, anyone else. Sorry if my breath stinks. I've been up here. But, it, but I go, Kennedy, I, I got to tell you something. I got a secret. And I, and, and I get really close. And she comes really close to me. And I love you. And then I tickle her and I hug her. 
And she thinks it's so cute because I, I told her a secret. But the thing is, is the whole goal was to get her within proximity, to get her close to her daddy. And some of the times up here right now, we're so worried about what's next that we lose the proximity of who God is in our life. And God divinely interrupted us last week because he came to us. He came to us and there was divine proximity that took place that all of a sudden when he came to us, we could hear him clearer. We could listen to him because we didn't worry about the stopwatch of life. We didn't worry about our time. We didn't worry about our lunch. We didn't worry about what our job, what, what was coming. We just wanted to hear the voice of God. We drowned out all the other voices so that we could hear what? The voice of God. And I believe that God wants to continually do that every day of our life. But what we have to do is get in close proximity with him. We got to drown out the distractions and get one with God. So if you would, would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to close in this moment. And maybe you're sitting here and you've been desiring to hear the voice of God. You've been t desiring for God to say he sees you. And you're worried about this faith thing. You don't know about this faith thing, but you've been questioning if God is even real. And today is the day that he is real. He is active and present in your circumstance. And this preacher from Tacoma, Washington, that now lives in the greatest city on the planet of San Diego, is standing here and he's saying that God is real, that God is active and, it's, and he's present and you've been wondering and you have been listening to all the wrong voices and you want to listen to the voice of God and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've stepped away and you've backed away a little bit and your proximity is not quite as close as you would desire. And today you want to change that. If that's you today, I'm going to count to three and I just want you to simply slip up your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to set, simply have you slip up your hand. This is private time in a public setting where you're going to simply slip up your hand and you're going to say, yes, God, I need you. I need to get closer. If that's you today, I'm going to count to three. Just raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone? Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. Five hands. Any more hands? Five. Four. I see that hand in the back and that hand right there. Three two, one. You can put your hands down. Would you stand your feet all across this house? I'd be remiss if I didn't give an opportunity for you to eliminate the distractions and get one with God and come forward. I'm going to, we don't typically do this every week, but I'm going to have you come forward and maybe you, you've come forward and you've had a posture, I'm going to come down there, and you had a posture of this, which is great. But sometimes the posture of this needs to go from the posture of this to the posture of this. Maybe sometimes the posture from your knees needs to go to the posture of your face. Because you want to get in close proximity. You want to eliminate distractions. And there's times where I've been in this space and I'm by myself. And I literally am laying down there, face down, going, God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I can't do anything apart from you. I need to be in close proximity to you. 
and sometimes you have to get wrecked a little bit and you got to get a little bit vulnerable and there's people that will see me on the ground who cares if I'm going to hear the voice of God I got to I got to do something different I got to do something different so I'm going to open the altars if you want to come forward and just get in close proximity if you want to just read your Bible I'm just going to say come on forward we're going to worship what are we going to sing spirit break spirit break out come on come on forward come on if you want to hear God let's do it Come on, don't wait. I'm telling you. Break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down, Jesus. Spirit, break out. Lord, we want you, Jesus. We're going to continue in the worship experience, but I wanted to talk quickly about this place of the altar. Because um, maybe if you're new to church or if you aren't, um, maybe you weren't part of a church where the altar was um, a place that you were invited to, um, I want to talk about the significance of the altar. Um, the altar in the scriptures were places where the divine and the human worlds interacted. Uh, altars are places of exchange, communication, and influence, and God responds actively to altar activity. Um, after Isaac was laid on the altar, before he was sacrificed, God proclaimed his recognition that Isaac had not been withheld. By placing Isaac on the altar, Abraham transferred him from the profane to the sacred. You see, there's something that happens on the altar, that there's things in our heart and in our lives that we've held on to as precious. But when they, be, when they take the place of God in our hearts, they become profane to Him. And so that's why we need to come to the altar, to lay them on the altar so that we get a divine exchange and interaction with Him. Don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back. God has something for you, specifically right here. That's why we ask you to come forward because he's got something that he wants to exchange his peace, his joy, his freedom, his healing over your situation happens right here. We're going to go back into that song, but I wanted to share about the significance of the altar. Don't let this moment pass where you get to exchange something that is holding you hostage for his joy and his peace, what he wants to give you. Spirit, break out. Come on, let me say. 
it break out, break our walls, break our walls down, Spirit, Spirit, break out, and break our walls down. Ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is come on, and by your spirit, I will rise. The resurrected King, oh, in your name I come alive to declare the victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The King is resurrecting me. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Come on. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. God, we wait in your presence. God, we know you're good. We know that you just desire to meet with us, to be connected to us. We want to be in close proximity with you, and sometimes that takes us eliminating distractions and putting things aside and coming and getting on our knees, maybe on our face, maybe standing. And we lift our hands as an act of surrender, and we just say, God, we need you. We want to hear from you. But God, the way we know your voice is by getting in your words so we can hear you communicate to us. And the more we do that, we can understand who you are. So God, I pray right now that God, the tears that are shed at this altar, maybe not at this altar, maybe out in the congregation, in the seats, Lord, the tears that are shed, no tear goes unnoticed. For you see and take care of everyone. God, that nothing greater than we desire is than to be with you. So God, continually move and be active and present in our lives today. We love you that you always interrupt us in a divine way, and it's never inappropriate. <laughs> it's always on time. It's what we need to hear, and it's perfect. So God, thank you that the word went forth. Thank you that my friends communed with you, got together with you, were connected with you. We love you. I pray that this week is a week filled with joy. It's a week filled with purpose, a week filled with making a difference. We love you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. I love you.
I want you to know that you, if you need to stay at the altar, you're more than welcome to. Um, worship team will play. Um, but I want to encourage you, if it's your first time, fill out this Connect card. We want to connect with you and give you a cup of coffee and pray with you. Um, but we're going to leave the altar like this. We're going to, worship team, you can play for a little bit. I love you guys. May God go with you. I, I would say invite a friend next week. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. We've had a string of powerful Sundays. And um, you never know what God's going to do and how you can be, a, how your circumstance can be a voice and a megaphone for what God wants to do in your life and in other people's lives. So I love you. Let me bless you, Father. Thank you for the most wonderful people in all the world, the people of Trinity San Diego. God, I pray you bless them as they rise up and as they lie down in their labor and in their leisure. Surround them with your Holy Spirit this week. We love you today in your name. And everyone said, Amen. love you guys. Have a wonderful week. Can't wait to see you next week. Let it rain. Let it rain. And open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. And open the floodgates of heaven.